At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. We were only two minutes late there, Scott Hensley. Back off. Back <laughs> off. Scott. Way Back off. Way to keep us accountable, Scott. Jesus. Two minutes. Back off. Yes, we were about 20 minutes late last time. This is a podcast-only episode of uh, In Your Face. I'm tweeting out right now so you all can see it, and I'm going to pin it on our profile so you all can hear us. Um, however, big week seven, of course, craziness ensues in Division One lacrosse. Um, we came out with a small little episode of early recruiting. If you haven't heard it, check it out on uh, Lax All-Stars. Check it out on our site as well. Uh, we dive in. We do about a 25-minute talk on early recruiting. One of the things, AT, that somebody had said, and I think it's actually fading out, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but when people start to tell you, when you think about where you want to go to college, think about if you break your leg or no longer able to play a sport, can you see yourself there? I think, in all honesty, I think that that, that saying is out the window. It's full of shit. I mean, bottom line is, is I can't picture myself not playing lacrosse. Everything I do surrounds the game of lacrosse, everything from my friends, my, my social life, everything. And so when kids make decisions to go to school, they're making it largely based on their major activity, which is lacrosse. Just like a musician is largely going to base that on the offering of other musicians that are going to be there. I mean, it's, it's a huge part. So when somebody cannot play lacrosse anymore, they have to sit down and rethink their life because it's miserable. It's flat out miserable. I don't care how it is. I and mean, you've seen it. We've seen it together where kids, you know, unfortunately either have concussions or they tear their ACL and they're not able to play anymore. Their lives change regardless of the schools because a major piece of their entire life, 9,000 out of their 10,000 hours of playing a lacrosse game, they can no longer do anymore. It's going to affect everything. And, you know, so... When it comes down to, you know, can you see yourself? Well, no, not really, because every friend I've ever made in college from the day I stepped on a campus was part of being an athlete. And now I'm no longer an athlete. And so that doesn't apply. It's not realistic. I don't know what you think on that, but I well, just felt like listen, I, had listen, I, I think the uh, I think the advice is great advice. And I, I'm going directly against you because I'm in your face. Um, <laughs> the bottom line is that when any high school kid is researching places to follow his dreams of playing college lacrosse, just due to their age, they might not have the foresight that adults have. And every prospect that commits to a school commits 
to a dream and that dream working out perfectly for them, right? That yeah. as a freshman, they're going to be playing first line and taking every face off, being the center of the three, three on man up and everything's right. going to go perfectly. They're going to lead the country in scoring, <laughs> never force the ball, never get a turnover and win four <laughs> national championships in a row, right? You could be like Jesse Hubbard, Chris Massey, and John Hess. You could be. Yeah, you could. They almost did it. They were one year <laughs> short. Okay, but the reality they were two is. Games short. But but the reality is, um, you know, it doesn't pan out that way for every kid. Of course. And the adults in the scenario, both their parents, who care more about their respective kids as people than they do as lacrosse players. Lacrosse, to them, in the eyes of their parents, is something that their kids do, unless you're that tool Charlie Moore, and then you're just a tool. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's not who they are. And so the parents understand that dreams sometimes work out and sometimes dreams don't work out. And just in case they don't work out, we want to make sure that we've done responsible research on which each place can do for our son or daughter as a person, as a student, and then a distant, distant third as an athlete. Now that's not to say that's the way the prospect looks at it. The prospect is looking at it as where can I go, win a national championship, start as a freshman, start in the middle of the three, three on the man up, and win four national championships for this school. Where do I want to do that? Right? And then a distant, distant second and third are, am I going to succeed as a student? And am I going to be happy waking up every day? Not necessarily in that order, depending upon who you are. Right? But the adults in the process are protecting the prospects by helping them manage the process in a way that protects these kids if god forbid somebody gets hurt and can't play but oftentimes it's not that somebody got hurt that finishes their career it's they had dreams of starting as a freshman they got there and they weren't as good as the coaches thought or uh you know the coaches recruited better players right which is essentially mm -hmm. the same thing and they were no longer in the mix as a potential game day player as a sophomore or junior. And they decided, you know what? College across isn't for me. While it was everything that I was all about two, three, four, five years ago when I committed to lacrosse state or whatever it may be, it's no longer that same priority in my life as a junior in college. My greater focus is now on securing a premier internship, partying with my friends, kicking ass in school, and sacrificing 40 hours a week in the spring is no longer something I want to do. And the, and, the, and the adults get that in the equation. And the college coaches get that in the equation. And that's part of the reason that this early recruiting process is an easy target for people on the outside looking in because you can get how the parents of prospects would be eager to lock up an opportunity for their kids. You hope that they have 
the foresight to help their kids manage the process in a way that forces these kids to go through acquiring their knowledge about each place, their due diligence responsibly, but that's not always the case. As we know, there are parents that are out of control and want their kids to be committed more and faster than you know their respective kids do. But the, the easiest target of all are the division one coaches because they're the consistent adult in these scenarios. They go through it every single year. And, you know, I think even though we've been hard on them or I've been hard on them in certain instances, I do think that generally speaking, they do do the right thing. You know, do, do the coaches at the very best lacrosse programs in division one want the best kids? You bet your ass they do. Their job security and their quality, their family's quality life depends on that. But what they also don't want are kids to commit to their schools and then to decommit later in the process. Because it's not like you go back and you get the second best kid. You know, that second best kid has gone to your rival and the third best kid went to another rival. And if you commit to a kid as a ninth grader and he's the best player, you know, on your list or the top attackman on your list, and then all of a sudden he decides two years later that he wants to go to another school. It's not like you as a college coach just go and get your second best kid. He's gone, right? So the right. biggest nightmare for these college coaches is if kids commit to their program and then decommit. Now, you and I will both say, well, they just go out and they get another kid. Yeah, they, they do, okay? But is that kid that they're getting – their second choice. Who knows? He may have evolved into a better option than the kid that decommitted, and they say, thank God Jimmy decommitted. That went great. Yeah. You know, now we can get <laughs> that true. kid who was 5'5", five, five, 108 pounds as a freshman, but is 6'4", 165 pounds as a junior and has, you know, lightning quick lateral direction, right? Right, and, right. And, and so it, it all shakes out the way that it should shake out, but let's not, let's not for a second pretend that the greatest fear of Division One coaches is having their early commits decommit and go to another school. That that they do not want that to happen. So my point is that they will encourage these prospects to do the right thing for themselves, which is to thoroughly research what each option can do for them as people, as students, and as athletes in that order so that from the college coach's perspective, they don't have kids that decommit to them. And, uh, you know, in the long run, that is in the best interest of the prospects and their families. I, I don't disagree with you there. And I don't necessarily disagree with you that the coaches are going to do the right thing, but they do the right thing all the way up until the commitment actually happens. Once that happens, I mean, I've seen it myself where college coaches give the wrath of a kid who decommits. Not all of them, but some of them do. Um, And, but for me, here's, here's my only point with, you know, coming back. And I agree that, you know, it's important that everyone do their due diligence, that everyone, you know, tries to do their best to see the long term of it. But no matter where you go, if you're a lacrosse recruit, no matter where you go, your social lives are attached to the people who you all will and are playing lacrosse with. For the, for it, the it, kids, Ryan, that lacrosse ends up working out for more so 
than the kids that don't. For instance, if you go in and you are a star player from day one, then I would definitely say that a big part of your social life is connected to the guys in the program. No question. But if you're somebody that comes in and you don't end up being necessarily a great player, there's a significant Oh, that's where I that's where I definitely disagree with the AT because here's the situation and I know this is happening and this should happen if you're a college recruiter. They use social media to get all of the guys that are on their commits to help each other out and get Jimmy Joe, who they might not know, to commit to school. So we used friends of friends after they get to school, right? Let's say the take this. Yeah, they, this they've story. already developed a four year relationship with these guys on and not on the team. So okay, you've so, got say like so you're a sophomore. Point, I can I can agree with you if they are arriving that, to college as freshmen and now, with four years worth of friends yeah, then, already. Then, then I can get that. Then I absolutely agree with that aspect. And and that's where the process has changed. And I wouldn't have said this when you and I were on staff at Dartmouth. I would have never have said that. I would have said, hey, you know, think of this school as somewhere you can go despite lacrosse. The problem is, is, and it's not even really a problem. I don't think it's a huge problem is that these kids are developing relationships, long lasting relationships with other kids in their class, their class above, their class above that and the class below them which is their four years of players. And they're none of them, for some of these schools, none of them are actually in college yet. Because the only outlet they have to communicate about Maryland lacrosse or Buckeye lacrosse or Penn lacrosse or Dartmouth lacrosse is themselves, is the commits that are going there in the future. And and that's their outlet. And they're a team amongst themselves before they even become a team at school. And that's their relationship. And that's their, and, and whether this is, by the way, this is, whether it's Division One or MCLA, it doesn't matter. They're all doing the same thing, yeah. and they're all creating this bond in this relationship because this is there. all they have. They yeah, exactly. It's before they get there. And so the statement of think about yourself if you went to the school without the game of lacrosse, it's impossible to do it. Well, you can't. I, I think the, the greater message there – There is a bigger message, the, but – The greater it, message there is – if lacrosse doesn't work out, is this still going to be the best spot for you? And maybe socially it is, but the, but what we don't want people to do in the spirit of maximizing their chances of providing the highest quality of life for their family is to make a short-term decision and attend lacrosse state when they could go to smart college and be in a better position when they graduate to lock up a higher quality job. That is really fair enough. The message fair enough. Of, yep. Uh, what we're saying it's it's less about social. It's more about you know a means to an end. And even though you're absolutely right, I'll still be happy at Lacrosse State, no matter what. I got my boys. Even if I am not good enough to make the team or I get hurt and can't play, I'm still gonna have a great time. That's not, yes. that's not the debate. The debate is, does Lacrosse State best position me to get that premier internship and that first choice job when I graduate out of school? That's the message. 100% that's agree. That's the message. I, I do agree that you get the message. I get the message, but I don't think that everyone else does. I think that they think of this as a social 
in college in a lot of ways is a social experiment for a lot of people and they think that you know there's an ability year, it better be more than that <laughs> well i could tell you if you went back to brown during your 10 years of college uh, i'm not so sure that they would <laughs> um but i just feel like you know a lot of people are just they don't understand that the small intricacies of this process and that there's a lot more that goes into it than just thinking about you know, uh, social aspects. Yes, you have to think long term. But in terms of, can you see yourself at that school? Well, what does that really mean? I think that statement needs to change. I think it needs to broaden out more about what you're saying than in the end, is this school going to give you what you want for the rest of your life? That is a better look than it was, can you see yourself here? Shut up. Right. Of course I can see myself here. I can here. see myself anywhere. <laughs> Right? That's right. Same wherever I go. Right? <laughs> wherever I go. Okay, That's right. That's right. Make the most sense and maximize my options when I graduate. And I might not have the foresight to see that in high school. I didn't have the foresight to see that when I was a junior at Brown. Right? But the reality it's is true. that the adults in the equation need to continuously reiterate the magnitude of this decision because like it or not it is a foundation a strong one or a weak one for the rest of your life and even though lacrosse is at the forefront of the criteria that you're using to select which place is the best for you it still no matter how well it works out is not going to be more important than leveraging the respective degree from that place to try to get jobs at places where they don't know what lacrosse is. They've never heard of it. All they know is that you got a two nine and you were a member of, you know, DeFi and how is that going to help them make money in their industry? And if it's not, then you're done. I don't care if you're a full time AA or not. Rick Beards, are you out there, you sick kid? <laughs> uh, we got a listener coming in with uh, is a 2021 thinking about getting a job he's not thinking about getting a job as at just said he's thinking about you know playing lacrosse at the highest level in the country he's thinking about doing a job um but i do think that at a at, as a 2021 you're still locking in your opportunity now only not not knowing that or knowing that you could change your your decision later on. If he doesn't, he doesn't because he made the best decision for himself, but he does. Then he also made the best decision for himself. We'll really never know. Uh, moving on here. AT, you came out with a top 20 poll. Um, and there are four questions for you. I have Eight. And the first one is Penn goes out into Franklin field, their own house and gets slaughterhoused by Princeton uh, in a wet, but yet relatively warm day um and you and this by the way they were non-existent on your saturday night (laughs) (laughs) by the way they were non-existent on your poll on saturday night i love how the emotional and roller coaster swings in your poll happens uh based on sunday results they were non-existent in your poll (laughs) non-existent in your poll on saturday night but when denver lost to ohio state all of a sudden penn moves into the 20th spot how does that work? Uh, well, Mark, Mike Murphy and I went to high school. I figured I'd help him out. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. That's not the right thing to say. Uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, I, I, I could argue that Penn should be 
higher than Albany and Maryland in the polls, right? You, you look at Penn's performance. Now, keep in mind, when I put together these rankings, I did it off of who was ranked in week five last week, right? So it doesn't take into consideration who's ranked now. It takes into consideration who was ranked going into this weekend's games, okay? Yes. And based on those rankings, Penn has a top 20 win. They beat Virginia, right? Yeah. They have one bad loss, which was to Michigan, right? Now, Michigan yep. is actually in the top 20. So they're yeah. no longer a bad loss. And now, Penn technically still has a good win in the top 20. And now they no longer have a bad loss. And Penn has played, count them, four top 20 programs, right? That's right. Then you compare Maryland, zero top 20 wins, one bad loss to Villanova, and they've only played one top 20 game, losing to Notre Dame. They lost to him close, but they lost to him, right? So zero. Well, they played two, two, top, two top 20 games, right? Who, who's the other team? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at Albany, and they didn't play Albany. Okay. That's right. I'm sorry. So then you've got Albany. Zero top 20 wins. Zero bad losses. And they've played one team in the top 20. Right? Syracuse. Right. And they lost by one goal. But the reality is they have nothing to hang their hat on. You know? That's right. Special delivery ST Jones was a wrestler back in the 80s <laughs> and the 70s. And when little kids that were living in the New England area, Steve Grisolfi, I'm speaking to you, okay, would turn on WOR, which was Channel 9. We would watch ST Special Delivery Jones. And he would come out, and he was pretty jacked, probably 6'2", 235. But unfortunately, SD, every time, would be wrestling Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter and George the Animal Steel and, you know, uh, Andre the Giant. All these guys <laughs> would kick the shit out of SD's special delivery Jones. <laughs> right? And SD's Jones, his record was horrible. But he wrestled all the best guys. So we knew where he was. Right? Yep. We don't know where Albany is. They haven't beaten anybody. <laughs> right? It's like SD special uh... delivery Jones wrestling two midgets that used to happen before the liberals stepped in and destroyed you know public media but the reality is we don't know who albany is we don't know who maryland is penn we know has a top 20 win over virginia right and they've played right. four top 20 teams they played a brutally tough schedule right they're one yeah. of five teams that have played four top 20 teams and those other four teams are also ranked in the top 20 and they're actually within the top 12. I'm sorry, top top right. 15. You count Loyola as well. So, listen, That's right. Penn, Penn, regardless of their performance last week, based on their body of work to date, lacks film star or whatever your stat guy is, right? <laughs> their body of work, they're in the top 20. It's defendable. What about... What about Penn State at number nine? Same, now that's where you and Lax uh, okay, body of yeah. work. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Penn State. I think that they're a great program. Jeff's doing an incredible job, and there's there's few coaches that I want to see succeed more than Jeff, right? But yep. who have they beaten? 
their lone top 21 is Penn that I put in at 20. Penn wasn't in there <laughs> at 20. Right. Penn State wouldn't have a top 20 win, right? And they're 8-0. That's, right. That's right. But they've beaten one top 20 team in Penn, and they they have played one top 20 team in Penn. <laughs> Right? So, That's right. So, so Penn State doesn't deserve to be any higher than nine, right? Because That's right. every team ahead of them has both more top 20 wins, with the exception of Army that only has one, okay? But they've played more top 20 teams, every single team. Princeton, Notre Dame, Denver, Syracuse, Army, Hofstra, Rutgers, Ohio State. Penn State is where they should be. I could actually argue that Penn State should be below Hopkins. Hopkins has one top 20 win, and they've played four teams in the top 20, four times as many as Penn State. Same with Carolina, <laughs> That's right. right? That's four times as many in your poll, by the way. That's right. Not in the actual, no, the not in the actual, actual poll. poll. The actual poll because, based well, on last week. Oh, right. Right. Right, right, right. So right. don't talk to me about Penn State, RD. They don't, they really deserve to listen. Go, go, go four and one. Go four and one in the Big Ten, and then we're gonna find out. That's right. We're well, we're gonna find out about Penn State. So we'll That's right. We'll That's see. right. We're gonna find out. They sweep it and win a national championship. But as of right now, based on the body work, they're where they should be. No higher than nine. The um and th- and that brings us to Ohio State ahead of Rutgers and Army, where uh, when you had them at eighteen. Easy. Um, Easy. I've been bashing Ohio State all year long for the exact same reasons that I've been bashing, <laughs> bashing Albany and Maryland. Right. O- Ohio right. State going into last week hadn't beaten anybody. They had the softest schedule around. Right. But to Nick's right. credit, those guys go out and they beat Towson 6-3 on Wednesday. They come back and they smash Bill Tierney on Sunday in an unbelievable game against Denver, right? right. So now they went from no big wins to two big wins, beating number 11, Towson, and number one, Denver, based on last week's poll, right? Right. They played two yep. teams in the top 20, Right. Rutgers has That's played right. two teams in the top 20. Hofstra has played two teams in the top 20. All three are undefeated. But the teams that Ohio State have beaten are are ranked higher than the teams that Rutgers and Hofstra have beaten. Right? Hofstra has That's a right. win over number one Denver and number 11 Towson, based on last week's poll. Rutgers has wins over number 10 Army and number 16 Princeton. Hofstra has wins right. over number nine UNC and 16th Wake Princeton, right? Sorry, right. But, but number one and number 10 is more high profile and are better wins than over number 10, 16, and 9, 16. Justifiable. That's right. No question. That's fair. That's fair. I, I appreciate does that. Obviously, with Maryland. Does it help when I yell? Does that, does that make my point It makes it much more clear, right. for sure. And <laughs> uh, Penn State and Maryland, we're obviously going to find out exactly what kind of teams they're they are starting next week and when they start interleague play um Penn, we're gonna find out probably this week where they fall um they play cornell Ooh, who's cornell? yeah in ithaca um that's right the only team <laughs> and we're also going to find out how tough Ohio State is as well. Obviously, the, the the most unfortunate part is if the Big Ten just beats each other up. I mean, that could be the worst-case scenario, and the, and they are going to. Um, but the only team that 
We don't know how real they are as Albany because they probably do not play anyone for the rest of the season on the way out. I, no, they, I don't, I'm not looking at their right. schedule they, in front of us. They still play Yale, but who is Yale? Uh, exactly. You know, at this point, exactly. I mean, uh, Yale, they look great against Cornell. I watched a lot of that game uh, this past weekend. But Yale, I think, is still figuring themselves out. I will say that if there's any coach out there that can fi- that figures out his team – uh, and 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 gets the most out of his players individually and cumulatively. It is Andy Shea. Um, so keep that asterisk that game because it would not surprise me at all to see it Yale, wouldn't either for me. Yale beat an undefeated Albany team when they play in two three weeks or whenever that is. It's 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 exactly what Andy Shea does. Um, and you and you watch that's going to happen. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me. And based on where they are, you know, let's face it, Albany hasn't played anybody, but they are killing everybody. The one team that they played, yeah, that's good the thing. One team that they played is Syracuse. They lost to them by a goal. They were up six-one. I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to rank Albany higher than 18 on my list, but do I think they are a top team? Sure, I do. I just know that they haven't proved it yet, and when they prove it, I will give it up to them. But until they prove it, I won't. That's right. It's it, Each poll is like an award, and you treat it as such. Uh, we are going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back. Uh, we're just going to give a quick shout-out to Sisu. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouth guards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouth guards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. Welcome back to the show. Told you it was just going to be really quick. Uh, We have players and coach of the week from last week. A.T., I'm going to throw it to you first. Tell me who your player of the week is. Uh, Well, in typical fashion, Ryan, I'm going to build up to it so I can keep the focus on me for a few minutes. Uh, (laughs) My runner-ups are a troika of goalies. Do you like that usage of troika? Uh, When was the last time you heard somebody use troika, and and where was it? Never. 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 I've never heard that word before. Okay. I know what it means, but I've, I've never heard okay. that before. Uh, well, I'm using it. Troika. Uh, is a troika of goaltenders. Um, the first one. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you going to take my guys as your runner-ups in my player of the week? Um, you could. could. That, that's, and I know you're that going to. A dynamic. I'm a little worried. Uh, <laughs> well, now, now I... Fine, ruin yeah. my segment. Go ahead. Okay, now I have to guess. So... Uh, you know one of them I have to because he's my boy from my town. Are you are you picking him? Oh no, no. Go ahead. No, I'm not. Okay. Go ahead. So you may end up. So I'll just I'll just have one runner up. Uh, Thank you. So I'm gonna have my runner up, and he was right there as almost player of the week, and that's Tom Carey, the goaltender from Ohio State. Um, what a performance! Holding Denver to one first half goal. Uh, you know, slamming the door on what many consider to be the scariest offense in the country. Matt Brown's pioneers, uh, led by Connor Canizero, um, 
think Quint did bring up a good point that outside of Connor Canizero, it doesn't seem like they have anybody that can consistently create a slide, but that's a different topic. Uh, but my runner-up player of the week is Tom Carey, the goaltender from Ohio State. What a performance. Um, my player of the week, I've got to go back to the Ivy League. And when I watch this guy play, I feel like he is a hybrid between two of the best lefty attackmen in the history of the league. And that's a hybrid between Darren Lowe, who played with me at Brown, arguably the best feeder in the history of the sport, and John Hess, um, you know, arguably the best field general in the history of the sport and an awful lot of fun at parties. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm going with my player of the week, Michael Sowers. Not Boyle. No, not, not Boyle. Boyle. Fun at parties too. But <laughs> Boyle was a little bit more of a go-to-the-goal uh, player and a little less of a playmaker, in my opinion. Uh, I, I just love the way Boyle played. He was, he was, but he was a little bit more reckless with his body, and um, you know, it was a little bit greater of a threat going to the cup to score goals if you didn't score. Um, but yeah. I, so I would, I, so I, I, I like the style of play. Michael Sowers, I see him as a cross between Darren Lowe at Brown and John Hess at Princeton. But Michael Sowers, five goals, four assists in a seventeen to eight thrashing over the Penn Quakers. I never, in my wildest dreams, would have thought that. Princeton would have put together that performance on the heels of losing to Rutgers 16-11 during the week and Penn winning all the face-offs and still getting beat that way. It blows me away. But Michael Sowers is my player of the week. My runner-up player of the week, and this is probably your, one of your um, runner-ups yourself, A.T., First guy goes uh, says 17 saves, 60, 65% last night versus Stony Brook. Then he had 19 saves and 65% versus Providence this past weekend to keep them undefeated, 7-0 in first-time program history. Jack Concanon out of Hofstra uh, has been a lights out all season. I think he's right above 65% for the season, and that kind of recipe is good for a CAA championship and quarterfinal appearance potentially for this Hofstra program. Really, really playing well. Uh, the reason why I didn't give him the player of the week uh, was because I felt like Christian Klipstein, oh, who I believe... Oh, both my two other runner-ups. I love that. I believe he was a player of the week earlier this year from you. Uh, or was he a runner-up earlier this year? He may have been a runner-up. Uh, not a lot of... But, not a lot of uh, he, he actually may have been in the very first week he may have. Won I think he was for you. Who did they beat? I think he was. Uh, or you know what? We were speaking about him, and we were speaking about uh, their face-off guy. Um, so no, he didn't get the award. But but we were speaking about how. He's well, he did this year. He did this week, and Christian Klipstein is getting it. Last night he had 14 saves for 52% uh, and a tough one, but he had 16 saves for 72% and a must-win game against BU on Saturday to keep their hopes alive in this Patriot League race. Um, if Bucknell has a shot, they needed it, and they needed it against BU. And not only that, BU just beat Harvard this past weekend, so that keeps that win solid moving forward for Bucknell despite uh, the rough up-and-down season that Bucknell has had. So Christian Klipstein, my player of the week. A.T., we're going into um, – we're going into well, the coach of the week. Ryan, Talk to me question. about 
Uh, and listen, sure. I, I think you're dead on there, and then we'll get on to Coach of the Week. I'm going to throw you seven goalies that are having great years, and I want you to tell me who first-team All-American, second-team All-American, and third-team All-American are Ooh, right now like based it. on this Go. list. Okay? I like it. Go. Uh, Benny Pugh from Richmond. Christian. Go, name yep, them all, and then yep. I'll kind of go through them. Christian Carson Bannister from BU. Tom Carey from Ohio State. Yep. Jack Con Cannon. I'm sorry, John Con Cannon, right? Jack, Jack Con Cannon. Maybe he's a John Jack. There's a lot of guys I grew up with whose names were actually John, but their families called him Jack. I never understood that. Um, John, Jack Con Cannon from Hofstra. I still don't know which one it is. Tommy Height, Michigan. <laughs> Tyler Blaisdell from Princeton. And Cole Blazer from Marquette. And there were a few other I could have put in there, but I didn't. I do like... Shane Doss is Shane off. Shane Doss. Yep, you're absolutely right. Shane Doss should be in there. I'll put him in there. And I'm also going to put in um, the Albany goalie. But he hasn't played anybody, so he's out still. Go ahead. All right. So <laughs> out of those eight, you tell me who your first, second, and third team All-Americans are based on your criteria. I'm uh, Right now... If I had to go with any of them, first team All-American, I'm going to go Shane Doss. And I go with that because of the teams that they're going to play, uh, or teams that they've already had played. Yep. Um, you know, Maryland, Denver. I mean, he's playing at a high level uh, against solid competition consistently. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with Jack Kincannon. Um, And so he's my second teamer. He's playing ridiculous. Um, and he's, he's being team. Let's face it. 65% on the years thus far, uh, is basically the major reason why Hofstra is seven. With a, a ton point. of uh, 11 to nine wins, which is so, but a ton of yes. two, two goal wins, you know, really. And that is, that is your great point. And if I had to pick one guy for third team, all American right now, I'm going to have to go with Tommy Carey out of Ohio yep. State. And, and it's simply because, I mean, again, he's playing awesome. Uh, he's got a lot of other pieces to help him. It, you know, they've got a great face-off guy in the kid Weathers. They've got some great, you know, disciplined offensive players. Uh, they've got a good, solid court in front of them. Uh, I mean, Ohio State is looking very, very strong. Uh, they are a very good program. They've proven it now with two huge wins and two huge weeks. Uh, we're going to see them play in uh, the I mean, he let, up, he let up eight goals but last the, week. Right, eight goals, because the backup goalie let up yeah. one. One was an empty netter off of a blown uh, pass back after the faceoff. He let up eight goals, and oh by the way, they played Towson and Denver last week. So I mean, that's, that's right. just absurd. Uh, it, it is. It is. I like that. Um, but if I if but if I had to go, that that's that's how well, I would go. Um, and I I don't I don't want to credit the other goalies. This is goalie year. This is a very heavy goalie year, um, and so I think it's 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 very fun to do. But that's how I'd go. How would I, you do it? Listen, I may do the exact same thing. I think that um, I I love Shane Doss coming into the year. I think Shane Doss probably would have been my preseason first team all year. But but I would say that um, I would I would have Tom Carey as first team All American. I would have Jack Concannon as second team All American. And 
oh man, this is really tough. I would have those two as one and two. You know, I, I, I mean, at that point, you'd probably have to go Shane. Dust, you know what? I, I could defend Pew from Richmond. You know, Carolina scored five goals on them. They've been holding teams down really, yeah. really low. Um, so I could defend him. Carson Bannister, you and I discussed him. I just think they haven't played anybody. Tommy Heights played really, really well. Um, but they, again, don't have a big enough body of work with only one, two games with Notre Dame and Penn. Um, and they let up a lot of goals against both. Um, which, again, you know, he is at the mercy of his defense. But I do think that that same argument applies to St. Shane Doss, which is, you know, he's got the best defensive coordinator in the country in Jerry Byrne. They've got first-team All-American Garrett Eppel. they got a first- or second-team All-American poll. They've got great short sticks. they got a great offense. So I, I think that that dilutes Shane Doss's performance a little bit. Uh, Blaisdell's saving a very high percentage of shots. Um, I'll tell you who's not on this list and who shouldn't be, and that's Charlie Moore, uh, that alum from Dartmouth. <laughs> I mean, he is really a tool. So he's not on the list. But I, that's what I would do. I would do Tom Carey, Jack Concannon, and then I think I would probably go with Pew from Richmond as my third guy. Wow. Wow. Well, I think that Shane Dawson, Notre Dame, will make it a little bit farther than Richmond, but who knows? Who knows? And it's always a regular season award. I love how they actually finished the award voting prior to the the playoffs, but yet they don't say it until midway through the or in the national championship games. It's been decided for right. weeks, and they it's so weird. But in either case, at who's your coach? Uh, of the week? I'll be quicker here. Uh, I had three runner ups: Mike Corrado with his win over Maryland. I had Ryan Moran uh, with his win over Stony Brook. And I had Frank Federaca with his win over BU. Uh, but my coach of the week became very evident after watching this team perform on Sunday evening or early afternoon, and that's Nick Myers, Ohio State. What a, what a week for him. A 6-3 win over Towson, a 16-2, whatever, 7 win over Denver. What a huge week for Nick Myers. He's having a great year. Nick Myers has proven he's one of the – He's one of the best coaches out there. I mean, with what he did with that group on the under-19 team over the course of the summer, where when they first selected that team, he took a ton of criticism for putting too many Penn State and Penn players on the team, uh, and they got yep. beat, you know, by the uh, Canadian national team in the in the scrimmages, and and you know, were not playing well, and they came back and they won, and now he's getting the job done. He keeps getting the job done at Ohio State. It's not going to be too long before Nick Myers is 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 going to Final Fours. I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow gets it done this year and eventually breaks through. But uh, I'm really happy for him. He 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 works his ass off and he's done a great job. So I got Nick Myers as my coach of the week. Uh, I am doing assistant coach of the week or coordinator of the week, whichever you want to think about it. But um, you have to go to the game against uh, Penn, Princeton v Penn, putting up 17 goals and that orchestra. That he put out there, Pat Marsh, um, awesome. putting up 17 goals and um, just impressive in the in the manner in which now look, having Michael Sowers on offense and having Zach Courier follow his own shots and pick up every ground ball. By the way, Zach Courier has 57 ground balls on the year. Wow. <laughs> now I know he's taking a lot of faceoffs, but it's not like he's a technician or anything. He's just literally chasing down ground balls. He's got, he had four cause turnovers in that pen game. 
I mean, he's the heart of Princeton, despite what people will see on the highlight films of, and they're going to consistently see it all year. And Michael Sowers, which is is awesome, and he's a incredible player to watch. And if you have the opportunity to watch him, he's fundamentally right. sound. He's got the flash. He's got every piece of the game, and he's just 18 years old. But watching number 25 out there is impressive. But, uh, you know, Pat Marsh putting the pieces uh, the pieces of the puzzle together uh, to throw down 17 against a very good defensive yeah. squad in Penn uh, was, was an impressive uh, impressive day. When we come back, we're going to do a quick lightning round, and we're going to get to the games this weekend, talk a little bit about more uh, about what's to come. Uh, so hang in there, uh, but we'll be right back. <laughs> At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. All right, we're back here. We're going to do a quick lightning round, AT, um, as quick as we can do it. We're starting up, and of course, we got to thank our friends from Lax Vegas Lines, as, as always, providing us these lines. Uh, this is our first look at the lines for this weekend, so if you're listening in, uh, this is the first time you'll see them. But, AT, we're going to go to Richmond. Number 12, Richmond, goes to High Point University in a big SOCOM matchup. Richmond's favored by 4.5. The over-under here is 20.5. What do you got? Uh, I love my boy Torp, but impossible for me to go against uh, Richmond with the way that they're holding teams down on the defensive end. And they seem to have found their stride offensively. They got one of the best goalies in the country, 4.5. I just think that's something they're going to have no problem covering. So I'm going to take Richmond, and I'm going to take the under in a low-scoring game. I'm actually going to take the over in this one. I'm going to take Richmond minus five. Watching uh, Richmond's defense against UNC, they are big, athletic, and aggressive. They're going to get out all over the place, so I have Richmond minus four and a half. Four and a half. Number three, Penn State takes on Cleveland State University. Penn State favored by nine goals. 21 and a half is the over under 18 and a half. I keep going again. Cleveland State, and they keep burning me, but, you know, in true typical fashion, I have to get burned three times before I realize to stop sticking the uh, iron <laughs> on my face. So I am going to go with Penn State, and I think they're going to run it up, and I think they, I think Cleveland State scores some goals, but I got Penn State in the over. I'm going to take Penn. CSU because they've helped Suck. me out I over suck. the last I'm couple such, weeks. I'm crackhead. <laughs> And I'm and I'm going to go with the uh, over as well uh, in this one. But I'm going to take CSU. I think nine goals is a little too much, uh, and I don't think Tambo is going to run up the score. UMBC goes to Ann Arbor to play number twenty Michigan, twelve noon Saturday. Michigan is favored by two and a half. The over under here is twenty goals. What do you got? Uh, I'm going with runner up coach of the week, and that is Ryan Moran and the Retrievers in this game. I think that. Michigan uh, is going to struggle with this team, and I think it's they're they're looking past UMBC, and I think that's going to be a mistake. 
Um, so I've got UMBC, and I've got the under in this game. Interesting pick. Uh, I think John Paul, talking to John Paul, he says, you know, we have to see how my how my team handles success. Uh, you're questioning that, and I'm going to take Michigan. I'm going to take Michigan by three or more, and I will take the over on right. this. I do think that it will be an interesting matchup with UMBC, uh, UMBC's defense and Ryan Moran and what he has in store, but I do think the travel is going to be a little bit interesting. So, again, Michigan, three or more, and I'll take the over. Number 18, Loyola goes to now Loyola is favored by three. The over under here is twenty two and a half. What do you got? Um, this is a tough game. I, I I think that Loyola Bucknell always plays Loyola well, um, and I am I'm going to take that information and I am going to go on Bucknell. Uh, but I just think that due to the strength of Clipstein in the goal, uh, I'm going to take Bucknell and I'm going to take the under at twenty two and a half. I'm going to take the over here, and I'm going to take Loyola. Uh, I think that the whole week for Loyola to prepare for this Bucknell team, knowing that this is a big win in the Patriot League, um, that number one seed in the bye in the Patriot League tournament is a big deal, and so Loyola is looking for that. They need this win. Loyola by more than three. I'm taking the over here. Next up, Lafayette goes to Boston to play number 19. BU coming off a win against Harvard. 1 p.m. Saturday, BU is favored by five point five goals the over under is 21 what do you got uh, i think bu is going to beat up on another opponent that isn't bringing a lot to the table um outside of their win against navy <laughs> lafayette has really been a team that that has gotten uh crushed all year long and i think bu needs this win coming off of last weekend i am going to go bu in the over I'm going to take BU here as well, and I'm going to take the over as well. Uh, I just think the same things you are in this one. I don't think Lafayette's bringing too, too much when it comes to BU, despite the short week for BU. Lowell goes to number nine, Albany, 3 p.m. Saturday. Albany is favored by five and a half goals. Again, another five and a half goal spread. The over-under here is 22 and a half. I love Eddie Stevenson, but he's going to struggle with Albany's offense. They're going two a big-time minor league sports town like the city of Albany. (laughs) Uh, Albany just has too much offense for these uh, unranked teams. So I got Albany and I got the over. I'm going to take Albany here, and I'm going to take the over. I do think Lowell, excuse me, not Loyola, Lowell will score some goals, but it's going to be an aggressive margin here. Uh, And plus, think about this, Albany's winning a lot of faceoffs recently too, which is a big part of their success this season. Colgate goes to number 8 Army on 330 at 3.30. Army is favored by 3. The over-under here is 19. I think Colgate's on a collision course with the Rock Bottom Bowl, and Army, I like them defensively. I like them at the faceoff X. Three goals is too low. Um, I, I like Army, and I like the under here. I like Army. I like the under. Cole Johnson's going to put up a lot of goals. Don't forget about him at Army. He's another big reason for their success. St. John's goes to Hofstra, goes to the island from Queens. Just a short little trip for them. Probably takes six hours to get there, though. Uh, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. night game. Hofstra's favored by four goals. The over-under here is 20, which is interesting. What do you got? This is, a, this is a tough game. St. John's played Syracuse really, really well last week. Jason Miller clearly is making progress with this group. Um, and Hofstra, 
holds teams down. They got a great defense, but I, I just feel like St. John's is getting better and four goals seems to be a lot. I think Hofstra is going to win the game 11 to nine. That's just my guess because they win every game 11 to nine. Um, but with that said, <laughs> I'm going to take St. John's in this game. Um, and I'm going to take the under seeing in the strength of, uh, of Hofstra's goalie and the lack of offensive punch for St. John's. I'm going the exact opposite, AT. I'm going Hofstra by four or more, and I'm taking the over in this one. If it's 11-9, it's probably going to be 12-9 for me just because I'm winning. Um, So that's it for the lightning round. First up on the docket. By the way, how did you do You said it would be 12-9, but Hofstra's favored by four. I like that. Yeah, well... (laughs) Maybe you win that one. <laughs> nice recovery. Uh, I was thinking about the over/under, brutal. Uh, and I can't say twelve. <laughs> I can't say twelve eight. Right. That puts a push on the over/under. To the under <laughs> Last week's picks. Go over them. Speaking of All tools. right. Well, proven loser. <laughs> I got the Charlie Moore Award from last week. Right. Uh, week seven. <laughs> I went 13 and 22. Just horrendous. Roughly 33%. You finished significantly better. Wow. But still, still under, 50% under 50% at 16 and 19. We both lost the rock bottom ball. I was wrong on so many games. I was wrong on BU. <laughs> Versus Bucknell and BU, although I did say it wouldn't surprise me if Bucknell won. I was surprised. I was wrong on Penn State, both. I was wrong on Maryland, both. Vermont, both. Holy Cross, both. Um, I was only really right on both calls on the Richmond Jacksonville game. Um, you, on the other hand, were right on Rutgers, Princeton, both. NJIT, both. You yes. were right. Richmond and the under. You were right. You were right on Army in the under. You were right on PC in the under. You were wrong, however, on Duke Georgetown. You were wrong also on Bucknell BU on both. You were also wrong on Penn State on both. You were wrong on Maryland on both. And you were wrong on Penn. Uh, And Dartmouth, of course, you were wrong on both. So, um, but needless to say, you were better than me. Again, third week in a row. And now you hold an overall season edge. Three, you have a yes. record of 113 and 110, just above 50%. And I have a record of 110 and 113, just below 50%. So it's within reach, but there's no question that I got the Charlie Amord Rock Bottom Award last week. <laughs> Georgetown goes to number 18, Loyola. Or yes. is this right? Is this a Wednesday Great. game? That's a tonight. It's it's tonight, so you're going to see this tonight, so it's already on. Georgetown coming off a loss against Duke, 12-7. to Loyola coming off a W against Navy, 18-7. to Loyola's favored by 2.5 in this one. The over-under here is 21.5. These guys here, at 18? LVL really do a great job. That's one thing that they do because this is a real murder of a line. Um, Georgetown's getting better. They're playing better. You know, Kevin is probably keeping these guys – uh, heads right was saying, listen, all of our program goals are still ahead of us. They can still go win the Big East and, and get the AQ. Um, but you have to you have to wonder how many how much longer he can keep the attention of his players when they keep losing these games. 
Um, you know, they've, they've played better as of late, but, but this is a perfect scenario where Georgetown needs to win this game. And if their heads are right, they can go into That's Loyola right. and they can beat them. Because I don't think that the Loyola players look at Georgetown and think, you know what, this is a team that scares me. Uh, and that's an opportunity for Georgetown, and they don't travel too far to do it. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go Georgetown, and I'm going to take the points, and I'm going to say Georgetown, and I'm going to say the under in this game. This one's a tough one for me as well. Loyola is scoring goals. Um, Navy is a tough team, believe it or not, and I know they're having a, a just a crazy up-and-down season right now. But I'm going to go with Loyola in this. I'm going to go with them. You know, this is going to be a three-goal margin. I think it's going to be a close game, and I don't know how well the defenses for both teams show up. So I'm taking the over as well in this one. I just feel like Loyola is feeling some sort of a stride right now. That win against Navy is a big one. This is a midweek game. It's not on the top of their priority list. However... This is a good test for them going up against, uh, you know, a fairly local, you know, school um, that uh, they need this win. They they need this win because this win will look like a huge blip on their on their you know, is it the Jesuit overall Bowl? record Jesuit Bowl, and potentially drop them. A, I think it yeah, I think it is actually right. Um, so this is this is a big one for Loyola. It drops them out of the top twenty if they lose, um, and they just need to keep this momentum going. Yale travels to New Jersey to play number thirteen Princeton Friday, uh, Friday not Friday night, Friday at two p.m. Now, last time they played, Princeton played at three p.m. on a Friday. They beat uh, Hopkins eighteen to something. Uh, they murdered Hopkins. But Yale's coming off a big win, 17-8. And Princeton's coming off a big win, 17-8 against Penn. Uh, and Yale coming off the win against Cornell. Princeton's favored by two in this one. The over-under is 22 and a half. Oh, what do you I got just want to take Yale so bad in this game because I think this is the type of game that Andy Shea comes in and wins. Pressure's on Princeton. It's not on Yale. Princeton's playing really well. Yale coming off a good win but hasn't had a good year. The only reason I'm going to take Princeton in this game is because I think the Yale goaltending situation is a mess. And I think that Tyler Blaisdell yeah. is an all-American goalie for Princeton. Princeton's playing really well, but I just think that Andy Shea is going to have this team scattered and it's going to be tough for them. Um, Princeton by two goals. I, I, I just think that the goalie plays too well for Princeton. So I'm going to take Princeton and I'm going to take – um, the over in this game. Yale wins this one yeah, outright. I, I listen, they could. I just don't think their goalie better show up, though. He better show up. And I think that, you know, defensively, Yale's going to junk it up a little bit. I think offensively, they're starting to yeah. click a little bit more. I think Ben Reeves has been playing a little bit better. I think they're a hard team to stop in between the lines. In terms of the faceoff, I think that they'll control that faceoff X. Uh, and I turn, and this one will turn into a, an ugly competition for Princeton uh, going down the wire. So I'm taking Yale in this one. I'm going to take the over in this one. I think I can see it like a 12-11 yeah, like type yeah. game. Something like that. Um, so I'm going to take Yale here, and I'm going to take the over. Maryland, number 10 Maryland, not the game of the week, AT. Number 10 Maryland at 
Chapel Hill going against number 14 UNC Saturday at 11.30. Interesting game times, probably for TV reasons. Maryland is favored by one and a half. Uh, the over-under here is 22. Very interesting line here. AT, This is got? an interesting line. First of all, let me just say I want Carolina to win the game. I hope they win. Um, I'm a huge Joe Bresci fan. Not that I don't root for Tills. I think he's a great coach as well. But I'm just a huge Joe Bresci fan, a big believer in what he does. Uh, I'm a huge believer in Dave Metzbauer, what he does. Um, you know, But I think with Stephen Bones Kelly not playing against the Dartmouth game and Austin Henningsen and his crew rolling into town, it concerns me for Carolina. Um, you know, I just I just don't think, even though they pounded Dartmouth last week, I just didn't, I just, there's, I just think that they're still figuring out who they are. Both offenses are not playing very well, um, you know, but, but Maryland's offense has more volatility. You know, they get the best player on the field in Rambo, in my opinion. You know, how does he do in his respective matchups, Jack Rowlett or Austin Pafani, whoever who's going to be covering him? Um, so I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I can see it being like 8-6 Maryland, something like that. So I'm going to take Maryland, and I'm going to take the under. I'm definitely taking the under. Um, that's – I would be shocked if either team, as you mentioned, gets over t- – you know, double-digit goals here. Maybe one team gets the double-digit goals, but I don't think the other one does. And so for that reason, I'm taking the under. I'm going to take UNC in this one. I think that UNC ends up winning this one for the for the reasons that Maryland really hasn't played anyone. They they, they have do. issues in the goal as much as – as much as UNC has an issue at the faceoff X, if if Kelly does not play, is he going to play know. this Saturday? I don't know either. But having him sit out a midweek game makes me feel confident that he might be back. You know, giving him a full week's rest for whatever ailment uh, is with him. But regardless of that, I think that it's important to know that uh, Maryland's not at the top of their game right now, both offensively and defensively. Uh, And so for that reason, I see number 14 UNC making the quote-unquote upset uh, against Maryland in their place. Uh, This should be also the first game on Fetzer Field, which changes the dynamic of the game. It's not on uh, turf. Um, unless, of course, the rain comes down, in which they end up moving it back onto that Astra, uh, that uh, that field turf back there. That, by the way, is the the craziest field ever. It's not a perfect football field, so the fifty yard line is not even on the midline. And two, half the field slopes off the ground. I'm shocked that they actually allow them to play on that, but it is what it is. So I'm taking UNC in that one. UVA. Goes to Homewood Field to play number 17, Johns Hopkins, at 1 p.m. UVA is favored by one and a half. The over-under here is 24. This is a really good game. I could have seen this line at closer to a pick Um, And so I see an opportunity to pick Johns Hopkins here, considering that they are playing at home. They've played a brutally tough schedule. Um, You know, I, I think that they're struggling in the goal a little bit as well, even though they only let up seven goals against Syracuse. Um, I just think that Petro and BD and, and Bobby Benson go into this game thinking, you know what, we're playing against a team offensively that plays at an irresponsible pace. And I think because of that, 
I think that they're going to be conscious to control the tempo where earlier in the season, we all regarded James Hopkins offense as one of the best in the country, if not the best, you know, two weeks into the season, they played a slower pace against Syracuse last week. Um, and I think that they're more concerned with the volatility of Virginia running wild on them than they were Syracuse. And they were able to manage keeping that game, you know, a little lower scoring. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Johns Hopkins and I'm going to take the under in this game. UVA is still winless in the ACC in their last 10 contests and both teams coming off OT losses from the week prior. I believe the end, the Notre Dame yeah, UVA yeah. game was an OT game, right? So both going off, coming off of uh, OT losses. I think UVA wins this game because Johns Hopkins is not in the ACC. So they end up covering the two goals. Um, and I have 24. I ha- I'll take the over on this one. It's not going to be – I've got it between 24 and 27 goals in this one just in my head. Um, but I think that this is a pace Hopkins is not going to be yep. accustomed to. And I think it catches up to them fast. If UVA can get their shots on cage, it could get ugly uh, for Hopkins. I just don't think that they're going to control the faceoff X. They're going to get pressed out on their, you know, on their offense. Hopkins has still got their palms up in the air in terms of what they are on the offensive end. And if they end up getting pressed out and, you know, get caused to doing things that they don't want to do on the offensive end, they're going to turn it over. It plays right into UVA's hands. Uh, so I've got UVA in this one. I've got the over on 24. Um, but, but again, I could see your justification in this as well. But, you know, it is what it is. Number one Rutgers goes to Delaware for a 1 p.m. tilt. And I'm keeping this one in there because I thought that this was a really interesting game. Rutgers coming off the win against Princeton uh, and New Jersey. Delaware coming off a win 12-7 to against St. Joe's. Rutgers is favored by four in this one. The over-under is 23. What do you have, Eric? Um, you know, I just – Delaware is having a better year. They're 6-3. and three. They have a couple of bad losses. They've been scoring goals, um, but they're not—they're not at the same level as Rutgers. You know, Rutgers is traveling to Delaware. I think Brian Brecht has his team fired up. I think they appreciate being, um, you know, what many consider to be the top team in the country at this point, based on their body of work. And, you know, I just—I just don't think that there's any slowing them down. I think Rutgers on a bad game is scoring 12 goals and on a good game is scoring 20. And I do think Delaware will score some goals because they're an offensive team, but I just don't think they're going to score enough to keep it inside of four goals. So I'm going to take Rutgers and I'm going to take the over. I'm definitely taking the over. I think that this, this game could get very high plus 30 in this one. Um, But I'm going to take Delaware covering four goals. I just don't think, I think four goals is aggressive. I think Delaware is a lot better team than people think they are and I think that this is a huge win for them moving into the rest of the CAA play um, so I just think there are a lot of pieces that are very underrated with the Delaware team and again they're they're playing for a lot right now um, and I've got I've got Delaware covering the four goals do I think they're going to win? No but do I think they're going to come under four? I do. Number seven Denver goes to Baltimore to play number 16 Towson. 
Denver coming off the loss to OSU, I believe 16, it was 16, seven, 10, 16 eight. and 16, eight, seven, seven, yeah. seven or eight. 16, doesn't seven. really matter. It, was ugly. it, was, it wasn't it was that murder. Close. No, <laughs> it wasn't that close. And Towson coming off a loss to OSU as well. Towson has not played in quite a bit. Six to three. Denver is favored by three goals. The over-under here is 19 and a half. What do you Denver have? may be a different team on the road than they are at home. Um, you know, as we referenced earlier in the show, Quint brought up the fact that outside of Connor Canizero, they're really having trouble, um, you know, creating slides from their opponent's defense. Towson, we know, is a very, very strong defensive team. You know, they held Ohio State to just six goals, and three, four days later, Ohio State threw up 16 on Denver. I don't like Denver on the defensive end at all. I love Alex Woodall matching up against Baptiste. I think that's going to be the best head-to-head at the X all weekend long. Um, and normally I would take Woodall, but you just can't go against Baptiste. I think he's proved he's you know, the best now that Will Garall has graduated from Brown. Yeah, I'm a little homer, no problem. Uh, but I, but I still think I still think we'll <laughs> that first team All-American last year. Um, so I, I like Towson at home getting three goals against a Denver team that's probably been doing sprints since about seven fifteen on Sunday night, <laughs> um, and they finish up <laughs> two three hours before the game. Um, and I like Towson in a low-scoring game, so I'm going to take Towson and I'm going to take the under. I'm uh, I'm taking Towson to the under in this one too. Um, it's obvious that uh, Denver is on a streak. Do they lose for the first time? I don't know. Is is Denver ever lost three in a row since Tierney's been there? Have, have did they win? Th- did, have they row, lost yeah. two in a row? Yes, but they, I don't think they've lost. Yeah, three to in Notre a row. Dame and to Ohio State. Have they ever lost three in a row in Bill Tierney's career? Um, and to go against. Actually, I'm checked this. I'm going with Denver. Um, I can't go against Bill Tierney. I am going on the under, though. I think that this might be a four to, you know, four, seven to four game. <laughs> um, but um, I'm taking the under here. I'm taking DU in the points. And uh, I just, the faceoff battle, as good as Alec Woodall, Alex Woodall is, Baptiste is that much better. Um, and I just think that this is just going to be a slow paced. We're going to see a lot of slow paced yep. game just because it's both teams. Um, so it is what it is. Number 11, Duke. We got two games left. Number 11, Duke at number six, Syracuse at 130. Duke coming off a win against Georgetown, 12 7. Q's coming off a W versus Johns Hopkins, 8 to 7 in OT. Q's is favored by one goal. The over under here, AT, is 22. You know, this we is got... a really good game. It's going to be a great game at the X, assuming Ben Williams is healthy. Um, and, I, and I think he is. Syracuse has been winning one-goal games all year long, and they've played a much more difficult schedule to date um, than Duke has. Duke's been playing well. Their record's good, um, you know, but but they really haven't beaten anybody other than Richmond. Um, and I just I just feel that Syracuse is, is more proven, um, and they're playing at home, and they're only laying one goal up in the dome. I, I like I like Cuse in this one. Um, then it comes down to the over-under at 22. I think that Duke is less concerned about managing the tempo than Hopkins is. 
So I do think that this is going to be a higher scoring game. Um, I was down on Duke's offense in the beginning of the year with the graduation of Demer Class and Miles Jones, but I have to say that lately I've become, you know, impressed with them. They got some underclassmen stepping up, and in true form, John Donowski has his team getting better and better as the season goes on. He does it every single year, which is probably why he has three rings. Um, so I'm going to take Syracuse, but I'm going to take Syracuse and the over. I'm taking cues in this one and the over as well. Um, I think this is the first time a Duke team with a very young roster goes into the Dome to play in the Dome. Uh, that's not an easy task for anyone to do. Duke is just an unknown, as you said, with only a win against Richmond, which, by the way, is turning into a very, very good win. Um, and yes, as you mentioned, Duke is playing much, much better than they did at the beginning of the year, but this is starting to get into the ACC season now. Uh, and we're going to see exactly what kind of a Duke team this is, despite having a young roster. With that being said, Syracuse covers the one goal. I do think both teams will score and both teams will run. It'll be yet another exciting game in the dome, but Duke, uh, but Syracuse takes it in the end game of the week. AT number four, Ohio state goes to South Bend, only a few-hour trip, to play number 2 Notre Dame, 5 p.m. I believe that's on a Sunday. Is that Sunday or is that Saturday? Uh, I, I have it on Saturday at 5 p.m., right? Perfect. Notre Dame is favored by two. The over-under here is yeah. 17 goals. Incredible. Ohio State coming off a win versus Denver, of course, 16-7. And Notre Dame coming off a win against UVA, 11-10. AT in the game. I think you're what are your at picks? two of the best defenses in the country. Two great goalies, as we discussed earlier in the show, and Tom Carey and Shane Doss. Uh, I give the slight advantage to Ohio State at the X with Jake Withers. Um. You know, I, I love the way Ohio State plays offense, but it's it, it's it's very Canadian. They they um, they're going to be a yeah, it's Canadian it's, without it's, a it's shot kind of clock. A hard team That's to prepare for, um, but I just think the strengths of the defenses, the individual defensemen in the game, and their goalies are going to keep this low. So yeah, I'm going to take the under, even though it's at 17. Um, but I think that Jerry Byrne has a lot of material to work with given the way that they performed against Denver and to put up that many goals against Denver is going to give Jerry a roadmap as to what they have to do to keep this team down. And, and Notre Dame always plays Ohio state. Well, just like Ohio state always plays Denver. Well, Notre Dame always plays Ohio state. Well, so I'm going to take Notre Dame and I'm going to take the under. I like that pick. Um, this is going to be for game of the week. It's going to be one of the more painful games of the weeks is we'll probably see a six to three, you know, six to four, eight, six. I would be shocked if it's 10, nine, like incredibly shocked. If it was 10, nine, um, you've got two great goalies. You've got a, a good faceoff crew for both teams, probably favored. As you mentioned, mentioned bio state there in that matchup, uh, you've got, a very good defense in Notre Dame. You've got a very patient and de deliberate discipline offense in Ohio state. These are two very equal teams in a lot of ways. I'm going to give the edge to the home team in this one. Do they cover two goals? I don't know. Um, it's either a push or Ohio state 
wins, That, in my opinion. So I, I, I'm going to take Ohio State in this because I just don't think the game can get further than two goals. Am I going to take the <laughs> under? Of course I am as well because um, I just don't – again, I don't think – I just – 8-6 keeps ringing in my head as – the final score of this one. So I'm going to take Ohio State. I'm going to take the under. But the last game, we're going to throw to you, AT. Rock bottom well, bowl, what do you got? i got to be honest with you, Ryan. Um, <laughs> the front runner for the rock bottom bowl was going to be Penn, Cornell. Both. But, Cornell right, and two rock bottom bowls. Rock bottom bowls for Cornell. <laughs> Fortunately, Cornell beat Colgate last night for their first win of the season. And hopefully, hopefully, that's the first of many for Coach Kerwick. Um, and Penn coming off back-to-back losses against Michigan out in Ann Arbor and then a super disappointing performance against Princeton at home. Um, I'll tell you, they're so close to being the rock bottom bowl, but we're going to give those guys another week and we're going to stay away. Uh, this week's rock bottom bowl are our veterans. Um, and it's going to go with <laughs> VMI at Bellarmine. That's the rock bottom bowl this week. And as you know, Ryan, there are no favorites. There's no favorites in the rock bottom bowl. <laughs> and there's no. <laughs> No, There's got to be a no line on this one, though. No there has to be a line on this one. Listen, we would have thought that was the case when Mount St. Mary's played Bellarmine two weeks ago, and you had a loud Bellarmine right. going to win the game. And I think Mount St. Mary's beat him eighteen to five. So I think this game is much more. Yes, they did. They uh, killed them closer than you think. Balanced, and I think. Well, I'm still going to go with. Burnsy and the crew to uh, to get the W here against VMI. Uh, I just think that you know traditionally this is just a down year for Bellarmine. Um, but with that being said, it's an even more down year <laughs> for VMI. Um, I'm going to take I'm going to take uh, Bellarmine in this one. Just to prove a point, I'm going to go the other way and go with VMI, even though wow. they're traveling to Bellarmine. Mount St. Mary's is traveling to Bellarmine, and I went on Count Macula, and they ended up getting it done. And I'm coaching, I'm banking on John Bernzer to get the VMI Keydets ready to play uh, out there in wherever Bellarmine is. Is it Kentucky or where Louisville? Where I don't know where it is, but it's somewhere out there. Um, so I am going to take <laughs> VMI in this game. That's all for the show today. As always, you can check us out on Twitter, Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Check out our partners as well at Lax All Stars. Uh, and check out our partners at Lax Vegas Lines. Uh, as always, providing the lines for us each and every week for us to make our picks. Uh, tune in next week, next Wednesday, 9 a.m., as always, uh, we'll be live and we'll be doing it through the Mixler. I like this Mixler. They can all hear it through the tweet. They can just click the tweet and hear us and tune in at any time. Uh, but in the meantime, check us out at In Your Face Lax. We'll be back. Enjoy the weekend of lacrosse. Uh, and we'll be back next Wednesday morning at 9 a.m.